like that of thunder, but it was a clear night. They stood frozen where they walked beneath the dense tropical canopy at the rumbling growl from the sky. The oppressive heat was a physical presence they ignored. Water dripped from the leaves of the dense foliage around them. This was their land, and they knew it intimately. They fished, they foraged for herbs and tubers, they built huts made of bamboo and grasses. They lived, they ate, they had children. But this, this was not from their land. It was not even from their earth. They became statues, wide-eyed and trembling in the moonless dark, transfixed by what they heard, afraid of what they would see. Their chief was summoned, but there was no need. He already had been altered by the sound. Oh, excuse me, he'd already had been alerted by the sound. The insistent thr uh, thrum that descended upon them from the sky. Then the heavens opened up, and the night was full of light and fire. Above the tree line, above the roof of palms and ferns, they could see the sun shining impossibly at the darkest hour. The jungle around them shivered, the ground vibrating with the steps of some unseen being. Most fled to the doubtful security of straw, of straw walls and old habits, but the distance they covered in an hour was only a second's work to the, to the secret machines of the gods in the sky. The ones that remained heard inhuman voices booming from above their lands. Lights played all around them, penetrating the branches of the trees, the puddles of rank water at their feet, frightening the snakes, the rodents, the birds into taking flight. What power on earth or in the sky could turn the night into day? They crawled on their bellies, seeking the camouflage of weeds and grasses, and crept along the jungle floor towards the unholy den, the clamoring of demons, the ceaseless, the ceaseless clattering like the shaking of dried peas in a gourd only so much louder. So many more gourds, so many countless numbers of peas. But these few had to know. They had to, set the so they had to see the source of this light and this terrible sound. They were the elders of the people. They were the ones who could understand what the meanings of the sounds and the lights and the horror. A kilometer further down the hill, a mound sacred to, the, to their fathers for reasons no one remembered, they came upon a clearing and their hearts leapt, leapt into their throats. When they saw the impossible, when they saw uh, what they saw no man had ever seen, what they, ha what they saw had no words in the language of the people to describe. Beings, clothed in light, descended from the skies. There were spheres turning in all directions. There were faces, like the faces of the people, shining from every direction. There was a canoe, a kind of canoe, a vessel, like a gourd, rising up from the ground and was the source of the insistent, the insistent throbbing noise that had aroused them from their slumbers hours ago. The elders kept watch. In their minds, they tried on different words, like hats, for their images to describe what they saw. So they could tell the people when they returned. They were witnessing the arrival of beings with tremendous powers, beings who controlled light and sound and could fly through the air. They heard the voices of these beings, huge voices, voices that could carry through the air like the drums of the people, but they understood not a word. They saw symbols and they had no word for the symbols. 
they were pictures, but they were not images of anything they had ever seen. The elders knew, without expressing it in words, and what they were experiencing was a moment of initiation. It was a spiritual event, a crossing over into another existence. The lights, like little suns, like giant stars, illuminated the night. By morning, the images became clearer. There was more color, more activity. The elders could see beings that looked like people, and they were very busy. A huge building of some kind, a building that could move all over the ground, was the source of many wrapped packages. These packages would be distributed to various beings, who then took them to other places, other buildings, sacred shrines, or grave sites. The elders quietly discussed whether they should approach these beings, whether it was safe, whether they would become welcomed. But before they could make a decision, there was another terrifying sound from the sky. A sudden blaring shrieking noise caused the elders to drop to the ground, prostrate, and in the, uh, in the presence of the most powerful, most unearthly event in their ancient history. Another building came flying down from the sky and came to the ground some distance away. It crawled over the earth until it was close enough to see clearly, and from its stomach more packages were removed. The elders took careful note of the design of the temple and its broad avenue. They noticed the lights. They noticed a high place made of wood. At the top of the place, the beings uh, seemed to speak directly to the Father of the Sky. The packages were filled mostly with things people did not understand, but with some things they did. Some seemed to be food, for the beings ate from them. Others seemed to be implements of some kind, clothing, water. The elders smacked their lips at the sight of all that bounty. They returned to their village. They told their stories of what they had seen, supernatural beings from the sky, flying devices, light, sound, and many and the many, many packages sent from the beings. The people asked them many questions over and over again. Finally, it became clear. The elders had been initiated into the mystery, mysteries of the light beings. They had become illuminated. Only people who lived in darkness could appreciate the divinity of the light. They knew what to do. They knew how to summon these light beings so that they too could receive gifts from heaven. They, they made ceremonial clothing in imitation of what the beings wore. They made implementation. They made implements in the same design as those of the beings. Magic devices to communicate with the spirit in the sky. Magic devices to fly. Magic devices to see at long distance. Magic devices that made terrifying sounds. They found artifacts on the ground when the beings finally left to return to their villages and in the heavens. Uh, and they kept them as sacred relics of power. These machines were kept apart from the people and only revealed on sacred days. The machines contained power and knowledge and access to that power and knowledge was the privilege of those who had, been, who had seen the beings firsthand. There were no words to describe all that had been seen, no vocabulary available to the people living in the Stone Age. So the essence of these machines remained secret, wrapped around with ritual language and arcane ceremony that made sense only to those who had seen. The people built a broad avenue in the jungle near their village. They erected a high tower like the one they had seen. They stationed their elders on top of that tower to scour the heavens for a sign that the beings were returning. And they created a prayer, 
Spirit of the Sky, remember. The people lived in the Stone Age, but it was the midst of the 20th century. In 1942, they lived in the South Pacific on islands that had been contested by Japanese and British, Australian and American forces during the Second World War. They had never seen aircraft before or motorized vehicles. They had never seen Japanese or European men. And the effect of all this was the creation of a new religion based on gods who descended from the skies, bringing wisdom and knowledge, Coca-Cola and hot dogs, machine guns and medicine. This religion is called by anthropologists and journalists as a cargo cult. It exists to this day. Quite possibly, it has always existed everywhere. Quite possibly, since the beginning of recorded history. That reading was from Gods by Peter Lavanda and Tom DeLong. Welcome back to the Ampitzel Podcast. I'm Adam. Yes. And I'm Jess, and hopefully you are still here. <laughs> uh, that was a little bit of a long reading there, Adam. It was, but I think it gets to the point what what we're going to talk about today. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about God Part 2. God the sequel. God Part 2. God the sequel. I have one more short reading for you. Oh my goodness. What do you can tell me what you mean by short reading? This is like two seconds. Okay. The Tao that can be can I, uh, excuse me. The Tao that can be understood is not the eternal Tao, cosmic Tao. Just as an idea that can be expressed in words is not the infinite idea. And yet this ineffable Tao is the source of all spirit and matter, expressing itself in the mother of all created things. Not to desire material things is to, is to know the freedom of spirituality, and to desire them is to suffer the limitations of matter. Yet these two things, matter and spirit, so different in nature, have the same origin. This unity is the mystery of mysteries and the gateway to spirituality. That's from the Tao Te Ching. That's also way longer than two seconds. I don't okay. think you understand time. <laughs> <laughs> time is a figment of art collective imagination it's really not kind of is we perceive times and we per have you ever done planks before oh yeah no i have not okay. oh no i have that's a lie that's a lie oh yes i have okay if you I haven't, haven't a long time all right if you want to remember if you want to remind yourself that time is a figment of our perception then just do planks because the passage of time whenever you're doing planks is like way longer than the 12 minutes took me to read all that. <laughs> so here's the thing. Time is not a figment. Time exists external from us. It's just not a constant. Perception of time. Yeah, our perception of time is what we see, but the actual time refers to something that we can observe. Yes. Like it exists. This is always the thing of like social, uh, and this gets into back into God. Um social wait what is it called um social constructs right we're like oh it's just a social construct and they say it like it's made up social constructs aren't fake because people say like in the most time you're like oh race is a social construct it's not real it's like that's not what that means language is a social construct 
most of our laws and rules are social constructs. We created them in societies, basically. There's probably some nuance to this, but they're still very much real. Well, you can't just say it's a social construct, therefore it doesn't exist. It exists. It exists because we created it, and we have to have we have to have some social constructs. We have to have language. Without language, we have no way to communicate with each other, and that creates a lot of problems. Of course, we have to have language, but when our language is manipulated or distorted to describe things, we use language to describe things we don't understand. But the things that we're describing that we don't understand, the language that we're using is an inaccurate way of describing yeah. things we don't understand. So for example, last week we were talking about Adonai, right? Yes. Okay. So just to get back on track from where we were last week, we were talking about yes. Adonai and we were talking about, uh, yit how you say, I don't know how to say it in Hebrew, yit uh, how you say the H, the H in Hebrew. <laughs> yeah. Ve. <laughs> Y-H-B-H. Right. And I was, I was making the claim that I, be, I believe, to my recollection, that word, the Hebrew word, is a verb, and Adonai is a noun, right? Yeah. So our language is inadequate to describe things that are beyond our understanding, like time, yeah. like presence, like well, God. Well, we, yeah. So the thing about time. When, we, when we're discussing time, we're discussing us see something move. Like a second has a meaning on Earth. What is a second? It has a meaning, and we can observe that meaning. We've created a, that to make it standardized. Uh, and that's actually important for a lot of things. Like obviously you and I couldn't communicate with each other if we didn't have a standardized second because that's how all computer computers operate. That's why they needed a standardized second is to be able to make sure that everything functions properly. Yeah, uh, all the tools and all the languages that we use are utilitarian in nature, but yeah. it doesn't mean they adequately describe no existence. No, no, a second works perfectly on Earth. A second yeah. works terribly the farther you get from Earth because it's a very Earth-centric measurement. Right. Like most of our measurements are very Earth-centric, obviously. In fact, you could say all of them, except for light years. Light years are not Earth-centric. <laughs> that's that's a distance that... Uh, I mean, a light. Uh, we only have so a light eight minutes. Well, I mean, a light year. A light year describes how fast, how fast, how far, our, or how how far our perception of light traveling in a year, right? Uh, yeah, it's the standard in it, our localized even, part of the galaxy. But even in there, there, the speed of light still deviates from our measurement of the speed of light. Oh. Yeah, on... there, there's a great Veritasium. If you know the art, if you know the, uh, I think it's Veritasium who did it. If you know the YouTuber Veritasium, he's uh, Derek Mueller. Mueller? Mueller. He's Australian, lives in, I think he's Australian. Or is he Canadian? Shoot. Anyway, no, maybe he's Canadian and lived in Australia for a while. Does not matter. I'm, 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 I'm breaking down here. He talked about like, 
we it's hard to determine how fast light goes when it goes forward and comes back because it could come back instantaneous when we like because if we shoot something if we shoot a light onto the moon we can see it hit the moon Uh but what we're seeing is it hit the moon and then come back and then we divide by two and that's how the speed of light is but how do we know it doesn't come back instantaneous we don't because there's no way to observe that to make sure that that it goes and just that it hits the moon and comes back at the same speed or because light travels too fast for us to actually observe the speed. Not, not that's not even the problem. The problem is, like with any. Oh man, I wish I, I wish I would have seen this. The problem is like observing something. It's not about the speed. It's about the fact that we, in anything, in order to observe something, we are affecting it by observing it. It's we the observer effect, like in Jurassic World or in Jurassic Park: The Lost World. That's what Ian yes. Malcolm talks about in Jurassic Park: The Lost World. <laughs> I'm like, sure. Uh, it's well, been a uh, long time, and what I remember about the Lost World is only the San Diego scene. Um, well, here you go. I'll read it to you. The observer effect is the fact that observing a situation or phenomenon necessarily changes it. Observer effects are especially prominent in physics, where observation and uncertainty are fundamental aspects of modern quantum mechanics. There you go. Yeah. Quick and we do, and and that is something that they found out by observing, I think, photons or something. Man, I should have come prepared for this, but I did not think God would be in the photon. Uh, but where they can observe it and not observe it, and it does two different things. Right. And so they have proven that observing something in physics changes it. And we know this for a fact in a lot of other things where we know by just being there for observing animals and the animal sees us that changes the game it's very hard to observe without something seeing us so maybe do aliens know that if they're observing us um or do they just not care assuming aliens I mean, come here like adam and i have the, two adam and the, i have two different opinions about whether or not aliens are observing us well, look at the cultural zeitgeist, right? So if 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 aliens are observing us, well, we have some then... bad static going on. Oh, I'm probably playing with it. How about now? It's good now. Okay, so okay. Just repeat your sentence just in case. What I'm saying is, if you look at the look like the cultural zeitgeist, if if we are being observed by aliens or gods or yeah, we're if there's something out there that's paying attention to us, whether you're right. religious or not or whatever, some other cognitive being right then we're at least some people are clearly clued into it right because some people quote-unquote acknowledge the existence of aliens or acknowledge quote-unquote acknowledge the existence of god so they've even if they don't even if whatever that being or, or set of beings is whether it's greek gods or whatever it is even if they didn't intend on modifying the psyche of, you know, humanity or whatever, that's already happened anyway. Because people believe in aliens, people believe in God, people believe in great gods, people believe in spirit animals, people believe in all kinds of things. Yeah. So, I mean, we know that things external to our Earth have influenced us for millennia yeah like there's no there's there's absolute guarantee that we know that 
whether it is sentient or not sentient, and whatever the heck that means, we know that things outside are in outer space or beyond our atmosphere have always influenced us. Comets, meteors, the stars, supernovas, the uh, whatever, uh, eclipses. Yeah. Like these have all been influenced and these have all been important. Like even when people know, like even when you have like the Maya calendar and uh, they knew when eclipses were going to take place, like they figured this stuff out because A, it goes on a pattern and B, if you have smart, if you have a society that actually cares about looking at the stars, you'll figure this out because people are smart right? uh, and always have been. We're not any smarter than we used to be. We just have more tools to observe things with. Um, and that's exactly what I think that my opening uh, uh, reading was was alluding to was that the, the people, you know, the soldiers who were landing on this island to, to use it as a staging base for for four deployed naval and marine forces had no intention of creating a religion. They were just trying to find somewhere to to base up for a bit. But to the locals, they see this thing that they don't understand. And they begin to assign their own meaning to it. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what we do with our religious texts, with supernatural events, with even non-supernatural mm-hmm. events that we claim to be supernatural. Um, so I, I think mean, it's important for us to like acknowledge that uh, if we're going to figure out what faith and religion and all this stuff means to us and what it should mean. Yeah. I mean, you look at like Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel. If you've ever oh, yeah. read the it's book, the same. It basically opens the same way. In yeah. matter of speaking, if you read the book of Ezekiel, the first half, the second half can gets into some very descriptive language on how to uh, build a temple, and we don't have to get into why what the book of Ezekiel is about. But the first half has some very interesting imagery of God, and you can use this as I think one of three ways, uh, or four ways. Let's be honest; there'd be four ways. Okay. One, uh, it, it is actual God. Two, it is aliens. Three, it's symbolic. Or four, it's drugs. Drugs? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you could. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. I'll read some of the passages from it. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind. Oh, I do. Here. No, this okay. is this is uh, uh, Justin Adams' uh, book book uh, story day. Yeah, 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 that's fine. It's a little different from what we normally do, so that's fine. All right, I'm gonna start with what what verse do you think I should start on? I think probably verse four. I looked and oh, I I'm saw. Ready. Yeah, Go ahead. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lights surrounded by brilliant light. I'm sorry, let me start what again. What chapter are you in, one? Ezekiel chapter one. Yeah, you're like verse four. There are 40 chapters in Ezekiel. Well, I'm not going to read all 40 chapters, just the part where the most interesting portion. Chapter. I could be right. All right. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by a brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and then the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance of their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. 
Their legs were straight. Their feet were like those of a calf and gleamed like uh, burnished bronze. Under their wings, their four sides had had uh, under their wings on their four sides they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of the other. Each one went straight ahead. They didn't and they did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Looked like this. Each of their each of the four had the face of a human being, and on the right side each had the face of a lion, and on the left side the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They had two wings. Okay, you're describing the appearance. It's, yeah, you're, it just it goes on and keeps yeah. going about what these creatures look like. Look like. Read so it. we'll skip on. We'll skip on to. Uh, I don't know what to skip to, but basically, this is like describing like almost like an alien encounter. Um, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's either describing an alien encounter or it's just symbolism, and I think that's important to know. Is like this could be symbolic. We we assume that people couldn't create stuff back then; that they always described something that was real, that was really happening. Maybe they did, but also. This could be like somebody's like nightmarish dream that they wrote down or something. And that's what I mean. Like by uh, one second. Coughing, cough, cough, cough. Oh, this isn't coughing. This is banter. I don't know what's going on. Yep. Damn it. Now I'm going to edit this thing. <laughs> uh, I was trying to do it with editing. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you should have done a running commentary. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so this could be, this is where I was saying, like, it could be drugs. Like, drugs will do this. Uh, a bad flu will do this. Uh, you know, you have these, as you said, fever dreams. Like, people always assume people weren't creative or people didn't have weird, freaky dreams like we do now. Like, we think, like, in the past, everything really happened and all this stuff was real and aliens and gods and every and miracles and all this happened and then at some point all that stopped happening and so everything now is scientific and we believe we have that idea of like we live in the scientific age and everything before that was the miracle world yeah well i mean if you look if you want to look at a religion or maybe even a cult i guess that was created out of fiction looked no further than scientology like Elron Hubbard. Uh, do we want to mention that, or do we want to just say <laughs> clear? I, uh, mean, I didn't mean the pun there, but uh, I mean, so, some of y'all got that pun, some of you didn't. Facts. Uh, That's Adam. Are you eating something right now? No, I'm not. Because <laughs> it sounds like you're chewing. I ate an almond a little while ago. Yeah. I may have some stuck in my teeth. Don't worry. Yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. You might want to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> might have to add a lot of uh, all this section out. Things. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear you eating on a podcast. So we're not allowed to talk about Aaron Hubbard either. I'm not saying we're not allowed to talk about him. I'm just saying, do we want to or just? Is that a can of worms? We're not want to. That's a can of worms. I don't think we want to open that can of worms. I think we should leave that to the experts. If Donnie were here, 
Donnie would talk about Scientology with us. Yes. But. <sighs> I miss Donnie. Yeah. Well. So anyway. what else? What else about the gods? So, so yeah. So. Whether or not these religions are based on something real or based on something fake. Uncertain. Uh, and it's hard to tell because we weren't there when they happened. And we always ascribe our 21st century, let's face it, we're Western, Western culture ideology on what nomadic people in the desert what, how many thousand years ago? Uh, three? Between four? Three to four thousand years ago? Sometimes ten thousand years ago? And further Created? back and further back and further yeah. back. We keep going like early civilization was maybe ten, twelve thousand years ago. Yeah. And by civilization, we just mean like where people huddled together. Um, it was no longer farming. It was also about creating society of not just hunters, gatherers, stuff. I'm okay. not an anthropologist, so anthropologist does that sound right? Sociologist, I don't know. Well, anthropologist, just... sociologist, archaeologist—they all kind of work together on these kinds of things. Yeah, they do. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have all the answers on that, but yeah, um, it's hard to—it's hard to see how this stuff was written when it was written from their perspective, and that's what we're always told to do—is like. What did it mean for the writer then? What did the writer mean by this? What was what was the writer's intention for their audience? And that helps us see, like, no, they're not talking about computers. I was told when I was a kid, and I may have mentioned this up, uh, I went to a Free Will Baptist church, and I used to have these great stories. I had a friend in college I would always tell those stories to, and he was just baffled by all these stories about my church. He went to Church of Christ. I don't know why he was baffled about the stories about my church. <laughs> <laughs> We're all to, in it together down here. But anyway, so this church, I was told that computers are of the devil. I mean, this was like, my church got into some serious, like, um, water boy, mom type stuff. Everything's of the devil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bulls ball and all that. Uh, yeah. But computers are of the devil because the computer number is nine, and a nine upside down is a six, and six is 666. The mental gymnastics you have to go through to get there, first of all, six is not 666. We sorry, won't not, talk about that. I'm very confused about the computer numbers nine. What does that mean? Yeah, we'll get to that one in a second. So okay. we're, we're going to take this. We're going to break this down. We're going to go into parts. So six is bad. It's the devil's number because of 666. There is something to say about six is one short of seven, seven being a perfect number. And um, six is short of that. So it has some kind of like fallen view to it. So this is kind of a in um, numerology type stuff. So six is bad. Because 666 is bad. Okay, whatever. Six is never considered necessarily bad in the Bible, from in the Protestant Bible from what I've seen. But then you turn it upside down to get nine. That only works in Arabic numerals, which weren't around when the Bible was used, weren't like in use. Yeah. They were using like, they weren't using numerals, they were using letters. 
So six and nine would not be related whatsoever. Any, any, in any way, it, six and nine would be related in the same way like six and four would be related. Like not much difference, but whatever. Okay, computer number is nine. Here's the thing I never understood. I thought it was because the number, the letter, the the letters that were in computer added up to nine, but they don't. They add up to eight. There are eight letters in the word computer. C O M P U T E R. Yes, eight. So where does the nine come from? I don't know. That's the thing I never asked because I didn't know anything about computers. I was like eight years old. I didn't understand computers enough to not realize that, that what a computer was. I think the person I heard it from didn't understand that computers only go in zeros and ones. Maybe it's 10 or 10 minus one equals nine. Okay, I don't so know. maybe maybe if you say computers plural is nine characters, that works. But then that would you would basically you could take that logic and apply it to any nine character word and say like you could literally like what? Well, do you this is something I also heard. Do you know our um 40th president of the uh, United States of America. 40 Reagan? Yes. Yeah. Shocked you. Well, here's the thing about Reagan. His full name was Ronald Wilson Reagan. Six, okay. six, and six. Why is that six, six, six? The number of letters in each of his names. Oh. There was this thing going around, and this is what I heard that people thought he was the Antichrist because 666. Uh, so there's this thing going around of counting the number of letters in a word, which is the dumbest way of trying to figure out if something's bad. <laughs> like, I mean, he was he was bad for a number of reasons, but I'm not sure. I mean, name yeah, was he was a lot of people's Antichrist, so we, right. we won't go with that. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll just... We won't have to get into that, but yeah, he's a lot of people's <laughs> antichrist, but yes. Uh, if you're a vet, poor, <laughs> or a poor American. vet, had mental health problems, or black, or had HIV, or, or gay, human in any way, shape, or form. If you weren't rich, white, and Republican. Yeah. Yeah. Where were we on this? Uh, this has gone off the rails, and I apologize for that. I we're on the rails. We're still on the rails. We're talking about 666. Go ahead. So so we have this idea of, like, in a lot of stuff, trying to find things that will equal 666. It's the reason why people don't buy things that are $6.66. Right. If I were a smart business person... I would just make sure everything added up to six dollars and sixty six cents, and put like small things around that would that were like a buck, and you would always make like eight dollars with taxes. Well, I mean, it's with taxes, so you're not making the money off the taxes, but whatever. You'd make like seven or eight dollars on every six dollar purchase if yeah, you just, if you just have like it. a Seven Eleven or something like that. Just, yeah. yeah. Because people will not buy things for six dollars and sixty six cents. Why was this? idea not incorporated into uh the clerk's trilogy i don't understand it would have worked so well there with all the dogma and uh, yeah maybe that's true they didn't i've never seen any clerk stuff but that oh, would have been perfect. yeah we, kevin smith i got i've got an idea for you <laughs> the only reason you should make clerks four retcon well clerks four can't happen for reasons explained in clerks three but we won't get into that um well, there, yeah. 
Clark's four can always happen. No, it really can't. Oh, it can. It literally can't. It literally can't. I don't think you understand how movies work. I don't think you understand how the Kevin Smith View Askew universe works. I don't know if he understands how it works sometimes. He clearly does. He's had a pretty good arc. Especially oh, for yes, that. Okay. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's uh the multiverse. What if God lives what if God is just a being from another dimension? I mean a higher form being. We've explored that idea, I think. We I mean, did we? Oh we did. Never mind. Nah. I mean I mean we could re- we could go at it again real quick. I mean like I'm perfectly, <laughs> I'm perfectly open to the idea of, 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 well, I don't know. My idea of God is, my personal idea of God is more, um, of a, of an energy, of a connected energy, more than it is a, uh, like a, a, a knowing individual being out there but i I am open to the idea of like superior beings like either coming from another dimension or another planet and somehow impacting life in in a number of ways yeah have you ever seen star trek the original star trek movie um like the 70s it was from the 80s but it was i don't think so star trek the motion picture or whatever or something like that i don't think so so spoilers for a 40 year old film ish might not be 40 yet but spoilers for a very old film uh the crew comes back together they did a five-year mission that was the initial point they were doing a five-year mission to explore blah 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 you if you if you've ever seen star trek the tv show they say they're on a five-year mission uh show only lasted three years but this is years later they've already completed their five-year mission they've all gone up doing other things Kirk is now Admiral. He's not no longer Captain. You know, they've all gone off, done their things. And they're getting the old band back together because they have this really important mission. And it's this thing, this godlike entity called V'ger or something that's wreaking havoc. And so they have to go find it. And the whole thing is about them doing this. And they go and they find it. And I'm badly explaining this, but I don't care. They get there and they find out what V'ger is. Voyager is Voyager. Voyager one, the space probe we shot off in the seventies. Into really, yeah. So what's it so doing? It's just basically been out there for hundreds of years, and it's evolved in a way. I think as like a computer technology, it's evolved or something, and it's taken on like other things. I can't. Like it's become sentient. It's kind of sentient, but it, it but all as a computer, it kind of is sentient anyway, right? I mean, it I, it. I mean, it's I mean, it was built in like the seventies. It's kind of primitive, right? So it's primitive, but so are humans at one point, right? I guess. You're, are we sentient? Anyway, huh? Are we sentient? How do you define sentient? I think so. I think this gets into. Did we ever talk about Kagito Ergo Sum in the last episode? No, we can, though. Oh, that was so fun. So, uh, background, uh, Adam and I were discussing topics before our last, before God Part 1. And I said, Kagito Ergo Sum, which is probably bad Latin, but whatever. We're just going to go with it. Which is Rene Descartes' famous 
uh, philosophical argument of that that is translated as I think therefore I am right uh, and it's part of trying to figure out is there a God how can you prove if there's a God how can you prove what's out there how can you prove anything really getting into that and part of the idea is like the only way I can figure out the only thing I know to be true is I exist because I think I have some awareness therefore i must be i must exist right uh and so i think that would be the sentience is knowing that you exist could be a way of defining sentience and there are levels of knowing of existence and we are probably not that high on that level of understanding kind of what i was thinking and that gets to like us describing what is God? Who is God to us? Well, as you were saying, like, it's going to be so, there, there are going to be terrible explanations. We cannot define something that is so much higher or levels of higher order than we are it's just like in a very read, good way. It's just like what I read in the yeah. Tao Te Ching. The Tao that can be understood is not the eternal Tao. Us. Yeah. How do you like Welcome. that? I actually. Full circle. Yeah, I brought it back finally. I'm very terrible about doing that, bringing it back to something that Adam brings up at the beginning, but this time I did it once. Yeah. High five, Jess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we we don't, we cannot describe things well that are on higher order of existence than we are. And I think we're pretty low on this order, probably, of existence, to be honest. If there's more out there, if there is more than just our level, if there is higher levels than us, then I think they would be much higher. They can go much, much higher because if they can go higher than us, how high can they go? Right. And when I mean higher than us, I mean like, yeah, if there are aliens out there that are super advanced that can t- space travel or time, uh, then they're, they don't have to be that much higher than us necessarily well so here's here's my my distinction my, my question on distinction here so we consider ourselves with our ipads and all of our toys and our tools and our fancy social and governmental constructs and economic systems and everything we consider ourselves to be a very very evolved stage of human of human existence right we consider ourselves to be a far, a far cry from our, our primitive ancestors, right? But yes, do do you really think so? What has actually changed? Has our systems and our technology evolved, or have has human consciousness evolved? Which do you think is more true? Because I don't think I th- they're I don't think they're they're in tandem. I think there's these are going. I think I, I what I just said. I think that. The, uh, the systems that we create and the um, the toys and the tools that we invent and um, distract ourselves with are becoming evolved. But I don't think, I think human consciousness is sort of stagnant. Does that make sense? So, so yeah. So I'm going to put this in perspective as something that I know very well. I have a uh, young child. Um, is she at a higher level of consciousness now as she's three, four, 
than she was when she was born? No, I don't think she's at a higher level of human consciousness because she just the next level so she should be at a greater human consciousness than i am because she's my child if we're evolving on and on it would be minute to see from each generation but over time it will show very much what i think is the difference is now she has language and language is a big part of understanding and yes i'm not an anthropologist i'm not a sociologist this may be an obvious thing or i may be very wrong about this but I'm going to go with this. She has language. And that means she can understand herself in a different way. And she can learn about the world. And I think that's the big difference is our languages have evolved. Right. But, have but we haven't. We I, don't evolved. Think we, I don't think we have. Because much. as soon as you take away the electricity, the toys, the tools... The, the gasoline we take away all that stuff we're primitive again we're homeless we're 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 on our own we're hunting and gathering again just like in fallout or i am legend or any of these other post-apocalyptic you know uh stay tuned for a future video on this or future <laughs> podcast excuse me future podcast then a future video right so we're not really i don't i don't think we're evolving i think that's that's i think the ultimate like goal with this for me is to to figure out whether or not i think we're involving we're evolving and if there's any way that i can impact other people to think about this in a way that encourages them to become more open-minded more in enlightenment sounds so on high but not just more aware, self-aware and systematically aware. Yeah. The goal of science is always to ask questions. Well, that's a, a lot of people stop asking questions and scientists yeah. are so, are so stuck in their, their systems of the way they govern themselves and the way that the, the way oh. that they, that they, they can't ask certain questions either. They're restricted by the systems they, they exist in. So, I mean, yeah, some of that's true, but I think also it's just that there's so many questions to ask that the systems are basically saying in this system, we can't ask every question. So we're going to focus on these certain questions. Right, right. So a lot of times you don't see, you see some, and we see this searching for extraterrestrial life. That is a common thing. That is a big thing that like NASA and other places are doing. But they're only they're doing it in certain ways because they're like, there are certain things that we know we can't find. If there is extraterrestrial life out there that is so advanced that it can hide from us, then we're searching for it. We're not necessarily going to find it with our skill sets. So we're not going to look for that. We're going to look for primitive life. Right, right. And so that that makes sense. It's like saying if... If we believe there's a, there's a, there's aliens out there that are so advanced that they can cloak themselves and they can stay hidden and we don't have a, and we can't find them, but they're here, then we're not going to find them unless they want us to. And they're only going to, and we might not be the ones they want to, us they, they want to find them. 
Right, right. Because the people in power will be the dangerous people. And let's just face it, if you're an alien, doesn't matter how advanced you are, you don't want to get in a gunfight. It's the old thing. Do you want to fight uh, one elephant-sized puppy or 100 puppy-sized elephants? <laughs> and uh, you still don't want to have to fight 100 puppy-sized elephants if you don't have to. Even though you probably should win that with a baseball bat. Hmm. This is disturbing. This got disturbing very fast. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about something in Fallout, as a matter of fact, now that you mentioned that. Fallout um, is going to be our next podcast, possibly. <laughs> it actually make a pretty smooth transition. I did do some research today about the religions of Fallout, so that'll Ooh, be interesting. Nice. Yeah. So yes, we're, we're planning on, if you didn't know this, we're planning on a two-part podcast. One about the, the lore of Fallout, I believe, or what happened in Fallout. Just an overview. Yeah, a quick overview. And then two, the religion of Fallout. And then maybe someday I'll do the religion of Zelda. Uh, that's a tertiary podcast so three-parters yeah we could do that and i could do the lore of zelda which actually intertwines with the religion of zelda it's kind of the lore and the religion go hand same with the fallout oh they're very important and that's also the history of earth that's the The history history of of earth the history of humanity is trying to understand more than we know and maybe that's where we develop is it true and evolve i don't think that's I think that's true for some for some people or tribes or whatever, but I think for the majority of people, we're, we're not using religion as a way to understand who we are. We're using religion to make an excuse for who we are. I think... I don't know. When we say the majority, are we talking about of all time or are we talking about currently? It's hard to tell. Like, religion has been used as a tool of control. Yes. It's also been used as a tool of curiosity. You got to think, like, a lot of the great scientific and mathematicians, even of the Enlightenment age, were religious. Yeah, of course. Were very religious. Who was it? Oh, come on. Hold on. Is it Isaac Newton who was trying to find out? You know the Bible code? Have you ever heard the Bible code where you can find, like, the there. numbers, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Isaac Newton, I believe, was doing this in his yeah. spare time as he was also creating calculus. Well, Jefferson put out the, the Jefferson Bible where he took the teachings of Jesus and said, this is what I care about in the Bible. All the superstitious yeah. stuff doesn't matter. So, yeah, no, you're right. All yeah, so, of, like, but... so they go hand in hand. Like we, we Because religion really is about trying to understand what is more than us. And I think there's something great about believing that we, there can be something more, which means we are not top dog. Because when we think we're top dog, I'm talking about the the advantages of religion here, and this is not something you always hear in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, when we think we're top dog, we think we're king of the hill, and we think we're God, and we can do whatever we want. But when we say there's something more out there, it means we are humbled in some way of saying we are not at the top. And we have to remember that there's always something more. And I think that's what religion can do. That curiosity, religion can push that curiosity to say there's something more. And we should not see ourselves as God. We have not become God. This isn't, this isn't Jurassic Park. Man, no, God creates dinosaurs, God kills dinosaurs. God creates man, man kills God, 
man creates dinosaurs dinosaur kills man women inherit the earth yes i was hoping <laughs> you do it i don't think that was a great quote i think i screwed it up a little bit there but you know. it was pretty close it was pretty good. yeah it's the greatest line of all Jurassic park i'm just gonna say that it's not the greatest line the greatest one is that is one big pile of shit <laughs> <laughs> the most iconic i think is welcome to jurassic park that was like that moment. Come on, do you remember that in theaters? Where yeah, you yeah, saw yeah. it in theaters, so you're like, yeah. holy cow! That music was just surround sound. It's like the first time. I don't think people understand how big of a deal Jurassic Park was. Anyway, anyway we keep going God. back to Jurassic Park. Yeah, because you know why? Because Jurassic Park tells us the most important thing of all: life uh, finds a way. We are not in control. Is what it tells us. As much as we think we're in control, we're not in control. When you try to um, regulate people's ability to reproduce or not reproduce, things tend to go haywire, and you get what you don't want to get. Take that, government. <laughs> it is a... I guess you could interpret it as a, a dig at China. Chinese uh, uh, reproduction policies. So, I think yeah. it's a dig at just trying to be God. Like... To me, that's what I always thought of. It's like you're yeah. trying to be the god. No, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess we should wrap up. We should, yeah, we, we should probably should. Bring all this together. Bring it all together. So what here we it? go. Okay. What does it all I'll mean? I'll give you a beat. No, no, no wrapping. Oh, this, not that kind of wrap up. No. What does it mean, though? What does it all what mean? What does it mean? What does it What's mean? What's the thesis here? What's the, What are we getting at? We're well, getting at. I hate sauerkraut. Sorry, that was a weird owl joke. That was a weird owl joke. Yeah. Uh, we're getting at, I think, there's so much that we cannot explain. And when we try to explain, it will always come up short because it's dealing with things that we do not understand and cannot understand. As we are currently. Like a cargo cult. Yeah. Or like the Dow that can be named. Is not the eternal Dow. Or. We are. I mean we have learned so much more as human. As humans. We have learned so much. In the past 10, 20, 30,000 years. Whatever. 70,000 years of modern humanity. I think is what they say. Is that right? 70,000? 100,000? Something like that. Anyway, we've learned so much from those beginning days of hunting. We went from hunters and gatherers to agricultural to societies. Industrial. And we created technologies that say we're not only going to be able to expand on land, we can expand in water. We can expand in the sky. We can go into space. We can land on other moons. I think I heard recently that NASA, I don't know if it's true, but they plan to have people working on the moon by the end of the decade. I haven't heard that. I heard that somewhere randomly, and I don't know if it was true, but I can believe it. I don't I don't believe that. It is possible. I don't know if we can. It is possible. I don't I don't think we have the the focus. I don't think I don't think we have the, the 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 budgetary and governmental focus we don't have the, to to yeah the we don't have the reason yeah. yeah the problem was like in the 60s when jfk said 
by the end of this decade, we'll have a man on the moon. Yeah. Uh, there was a reason to put a person on the moon. There was right. a reason to get men on the it's moon. It's called the and they Cold got... War. Yeah, and they did it. And yeah. then they did it again. And then they did, They ended up doing it six times, five times. Hold on. 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17. Six times. That's right. They put 12 men on the moon between 1969 and 1972. And it was great. Why they kept doing it is a very weird question. Uh, like, you did it once. Great. You did it twice. Okay, so the first time wasn't a fluke. You did not do it a third time because of mistakes. Uh, and making oxygen tanks. Then you decide to do it again just to prove you could do it three times. Then you did it four times. Then you did it five times. Then you did it six times. And then you decided not to do it seven, eight, or nine times. Right. Sorry, that was a long explanation of the Apollo missions. <laughs> then we so decided how... we'd just stay in LEO. Uh, but he, we're, we were against the point we're wrapping up, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then I got into Apollo. Ah. <laughs> uh, oh, God. So, here, so I think that's the thing is like, we have developed and learned so much, but that does not mean we know where the end point is. And so we're probably still closer to the beginning of understanding of consciousness than we are toward the end. So and is, at the end is, is consciousness God? I don't know. Is God I conscious? think that, I think we just, I think we just decided that we can't define God. God is the last digit of pi. That's one of my favorite things I've ever heard. I may have brought that up in the last episode. I don't yeah, know. I do like that. We, we don't know. So that's what we know. God is the last digit. Pi. Basically, right. God is at a place where we can't, we don't have the ability to understand. And the way we, and at our current understanding of Pi and of God, we will never have that full understanding. Life is not written in ink. We change, we grow, we make mistakes, we learn, and eventually we fade away. Life is written in pencil. Thank you for listening to the In Pencil Podcast.